So often, you know, what I recommend is as many as possible, you consolidate where you keep a lot of these and store them electronically somewhere that you and your spouse both, both have access to. My wife and I share a Google Drive folder. That's really great. Whenever we get something important, we throw it in there. It's secure. We can both access it and we know where everything is. Not everything can be stored there for various reasons, but it's a good starting point. So for things like birth certificates, a divorce decree, if you have it, powers of attorney, if you have an inventory of personal property, sometimes this is for various reasons, both insurance and bequest related, having an inventory of important things that you own and what the values are, having that on a piece of paper or in a file somewhere and knowing where that is, is important. Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode 135 of anesthesia and pain management success. Today, I wanna talk about a specific financial planning idea that I'm starting to roll out with some of my clients. This was an idea that I got from uh, a combination of financial advisors over the last couple of years. And I think this is a great idea and it's not often implemented. And I think one of the reasons is that it has to do with this kind of tough area of estate planning. If you ask any financial advisor, they will quickly tell you the hardest thing it's to get your client to do in the financial planning realm. Well, a couple things. Number one is getting life insurance. And the second is getting an estate plan in place. And it's no wonder because these things have to do with one's ultimate demise. And that's not something anyone wants to spend too much time thinking about. However, this is an area where the stakes are really high. And it's not you in most cases that's going to bear the brunt of your inaction. It's your loved ones. So this is a, an interesting opportunity to you know, care for your loved ones in a way that is a little unconventional, but really important by creating what I call an estate plan supplement. And I want to describe what that is in a minute. But before I do, I want to quickly just point back to episodes 103, 104, 105. And we talk all about, you know, wills, powers of attorney, trusts, and lots of the, the documents themselves of what is an estate plan and how do you set it up. Everything I'm talking about today is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. And this really is not about legal documents at all. It's more about functionally, tactically, when you're in the weeds in the real world, how do you help your loved ones who are left behind in the event of your premature death? How do you help prepare them for what awaits? And obviously the first thing you wanna do is get your documents in order. That's prerequisite. If you haven't done that, that's first on your list. Once that is done though, this is a little bit of an overlay little bit of a user's guide that you can add to those planning documents that can ultimately make the process easier. And, you know, just think about a circumstance where your spouse is left behind and has to pick up the pieces financially and personally. There's a lot going through the mind of that spouse. And obviously there's the financial piece of it. There's the personal and the family piece. There's the, you know, all the different, it, it can be really overwhelming, especially if the, the spouse that passes is that sort of the household CFO, the one who understands the, the money and the investments and the one left behind is largely, you know, focused on other parts of the household. That can be really difficult. And, you know, as 
physicians, the, the audience of this podcast, you've obviously worked in many cases with folks who have to make big decisions in the midst of grief or trauma, you know, in ICUs, in ORs, surgeries, or conditions that are very, very difficult. And you know how difficult it can be to try to make important decisions in the context of, in the midst of trauma. And so what this estate plan supplement that I'm going to describe today, the purpose of it is to make important decision-making and make the next step that you have to take in life to make those things easier for someone going through the trauma of losing a loved one. So there's two components to this estate plan supplement that I'm going to describe. The first is a a several page document that essentially is a a preface to the estate plan that I recommend you, whether it's electronically as a PDF or physically with your actual estate plan documents, wherever you keep it, if you have it in a, a safe or a filing cabinet or somewhere on a Google drive or something, put this with those documents for the reference of the surviving spouse. And what this is going to do is be a step-by-step guide for, you know, when bad news hits, when the news, uh, especially in the context of an unexpected passing of a loved one, especially a spouse, what do you do step-by-step? And it's very, very in the weeds, very tactical, very like, and and you'll see as I describe this. So, So that's part one is the document itself. And then part two has to do with digital assets and digital access and how to equip your loved ones to be able to, you know, access much of life these days is built and stored in the digital realm. And to be able to get that and keep that is is very important, but not often accounted for in legal documents. So the first thing I want to talk about is this, the, the papers, the estate plan supplement, the actual document that you want to put on the front of your estate plan. And I have a template for this. You could easily draft your own letter of instruction, a non-legal, non-binding, but still informational document. If you want to email me, justin at apmsuccess.com, I'm happy to share the template that I use with some of my clients. But it's just got a a checklist of things, and I want to talk through them briefly and describe the function. So the first is, it's meant to say, you know, whenever I get the phone call that a loved one has passed, when my spouse has passed, here's what to do. And it removes the need to have to think about this. The first is notify family or friends. So You can fill out this document to say, here's the five people that are most important to us. And here's their contact info and, you know, any other notes that you want to put in there. And you might think, well, that's a no brainer. And maybe you have family that can really help bear a lot of this burden, but maybe you don't. And so being able to have this information accessible to your spouse is really important. There's also, you know, notify my employer at this phone number, call my attorney, attorney's name at this phone number call my financial advisor at this phone number. Number five on this list, make arrangements with the funeral home with following instructions. Number six is request copies of the certified death certificate. Anybody who's ever settled in a state or has been party to that knows that with every insurance policy, with every investment account, closing out credit cards, you know, anytime you try to do anything on behalf of a person who has passed, you need a lot of copies of death certificates. So just get a big stack of them. Usually they're like a dollar a piece or something like that. Certified copies Requesting those is an important part of the process and making sure that you have enough. Notifying the social security office, processing life insurance policies, and then notify the bank holding the mortgage if applicable. So this is just a quick hit list of things to do. And there's obviously specific instructions for some of these. And in a letter of instruction, you can leave the specific instructions so that your spouse who's left behind doesn't have to try to think about, 
you know, where do I find the attorney's phone number? What was his name again? Or, or whatever. The next section on this document is location of personal papers. So often, you know, what I recommend is as many as possible, you consolidate where you keep a lot of these and store them electronically somewhere that you and your spouse both, both have access to. My wife and I share a Google Drive folder. That's really great. Whenever we get something important, we throw it in there. It's secure. We can both access it and we know where everything is. Not everything can be stored there for various reasons, but it's a good starting point. So for things like birth certificates, a divorce decree, if you have it, powers of attorney, if you have an inventory of personal property, sometimes this is for various reasons, both insurance and bequest related, having an inventory of important things that you own and what the values are, having that on a piece of paper or in a file somewhere and knowing where that is, is important. If you have a safe deposit box, where is the safe deposit box? Where is the key? Or if there's a code, what is that code? If you have a will, a living will, any other legal documents, where are those kept? And presumably a lot of them are going to be <laughs> immediately under the estate planning supplement, this paper itself. But if there's anything else elsewhere, you want to note that in this personal papers section, marriage certificates, military records, naturalization papers. If someone has become a U.S. citizen, that can be really important. School diploma, car title, other vehicle title. If you have adoption papers, if you have the title to a boat, anything like that, you want to just indicate the locations of these, especially if they're somewhere that's not, you know, immediately and obviously accessible. Next, you want to have a comprehensive balance sheet, and it's good to update this periodically, or a financial statement that says, here's every asset that we have, investment and other, and every liability that we have. So every single credit card, every single line of credit, et cetera. This is one of the ways that if you work with a good financial advisor, they'll be able to keep track of this and quickly procure it upon request and also help a surviving spouse navigate the difficult circumstances around the passing of a spouse. But for those inclined to do it themselves, having this balance sheet being as detailed as possible, and then you know, having it accessible, replacing it periodically, updating it is a really good idea. If you're not working with a financial advisor or you don't have all these things consolidated, which again, I do recommend that you do, but in terms of life insurance, this is going to be an immediate need and something that's relevant and important. You want to make sure every life insurance policy that you have in force is detailed in a, a grid or a list attached to, because it's not going to be listed in your will. It's not going to be listed in your trusts if you have them. Your trust may well be a, benefici a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, but the trust itself is not going to indicate how much is out there and where does it reside. So having life insurance and any other insurance policies that are in force, detailing them in this estate plan supplement can be really valuable. Detailing credit cards, like which companies do you have, whose name is on the card. If you want, you can put the credit card number in there any outstanding loans, summary of real estate, summary of investment accounts. Again, a lot of this is detail that a good advisor would be able to compile or, or maybe even already has compiled. But especially if you're a, more of a do-it-yourselfer, having these things consolidated in a place where your spouse can easily find them, like a one or two page document appended to your estate plan just makes life really, really easy. The next section I would recommend is advisors and professional contacts. If you have a financial planner, an estate attorney, life insurance agent, tax accountant, a family attorney or business attorney, a business bookkeeper, any other professionals who are going to have access to important records that you're going to need in settling an estate, 
this is really, really helpful to just in a stressful time, shortening the learning curve. Other home details, like if you have a safe in your home, a gun safe, a safe for gold bullion, a safe for other important personal documents for artwork, for valuables, make sure you have the combination or the location of the key outlined somewhere where we can find it and leaving that, indicating that in this document is advised. If you have, you know, something as simple as the passcode on your iPhone, sure, maybe it's 111111, but if it's something other than that, this could be a place where you indicate what that is. And to the extent that the last thing I generally recommend is to the extent that you have funeral arrangements either made or desires, preferences, indicating them on this supplement can be helpful so that your spouse knows what you want. Because a lot of people don't talk about this. If you have things that you want, just make a note, put it on the front of your will so that if God forbid the unthinkable happens, then you'll uh, your, those left behind will be able to enact your last wishes. For myself, I joke with my wife, a kind of joke, but kind of not. I want someone to play Amazing Grace on the bagpipes at my funeral. That was, <laughs> in preparing for this podcast, I quickly did a Google search and I was trying to, I was just curious, how hard would it be in the city of Portland to find someone on short notice to play Amazing Grace on the bagpipes? And it seems like I could. that's something that could be managed which then sent me down a YouTube rabbit hole of watching people play Amazing Grace on the bagpipes, which was actually quite emotionally moving and only <laughs> only reaffirmed me in my conviction that I definitely wanted to have this done at my funeral. So if you have things like that at your funeral that you want a celebration of some kind or, or a ceremony or anything like that, this is a great place to indicate that. If you have a, a cemetery plot that you've purchased, this is less common for 30 and 40 year old physicians and more common for the older generation who are planning ahead, obviously you want to know where that cemetery plot is that has been purchased. So this is the first section of the estate plan supplement. And this is all comprised of basically a physical document that I recommend you update periodically, keep it with your will, have a scanned copy in an electronic format, wherever you keep your other estate planning documents to say where the rubber meets the road, here's the playbook that you need to run whenever a spouse passes. Or, or a, a close loved one where you're going to be an executor of an estate. The second thing that I want to mention in this context has to do with the, the digital assets and the electronic presence online. And we quickly get into legal territory here. And obviously, you don't want to do anything with other digital assets that is inappropriate or illegal and nothing that follows constitutes legal advice. But there's a really helpful mechanism I love the, the Chrome plugin for LastPass, L-A-S-T-P-A-S-S, LastPass. This is a secure storage mechanism for personal passwords of all types. There's a great feature in LastPass where you can nominate an emergency contact. And what this enables you to do is to give someone access to your LastPass where presumably you can store all of your passwords and there's a, a mechanism where if you don't, basically this person can request access. And if you don't, you can cancel it whenever they, if they say, hey, can I get in? You can say no. And you get an email and you have whatever period of time you can set the time. Say it's seven days or 30 days if you don't check your email very often. For example, I can say my wife has the ability to get into my last pass and view any password for all of my accounts at will if she requests it and if I don't decline it in the email that I receive within a seven day or 30 day period. What this does is 
you know, for things like a Facebook account or to see what credit cards you have access to or, or things like that to allow a loved one left behind to be able to just see what's going on in terms of the places you have passwords. If they're stored in LastPass, you can use this mechanism to be able to allow ready access to those things. Because imagine how difficult it would be to go to every single financial institution and request, you know, but even in the information gathering time uh, as an executor, this can be very, very cumbersome and, and it just takes forever. Or even like shutting down a Facebook page or a LinkedIn profile or whatever, it's, it can be really helpful if someone that you love and trust can access these things on your behalf. So that is what I recommend you think about an estate planning supplement and the use of LastPass or similar to provide access, uh, you know, after your passing to somebody left behind who's going to have to know what the heck is going on. If you haven't done that before, this is something to think about. If you want to request a copy of the template that I use, you just email me at justin at apmsuccess.com. Glad to send that over to you. Really excited for some of the content coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm talking to Dr. Stacia Dearman, who has had really uh, profound and impactful experience in her walking through malpractice litigation. She's a physician. She was sued. She had a favorable judgment in, in court, but she talks a lot about her experience and she also has created courses and does counseling and has built a, a whole bunch of intellectual property around helping physicians understand the process of malpractice and understand the, on the human side, what does it mean to go through that? So tune in next week. Really excited for the next couple of conversations with Dr. Dearman. As always, thank you for tuning in to APM Success. If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com, where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success.